0: Well, this morning we're going to continue a journey that I didn't tell you we started a long time ago, actually. Isn't that fun? You didn't even know you were on a journey together, and you've been on it with me for a little bit of time. We've been journeying, actually, for quite some time through the Gospel of Luke, whether you realized it or not. That's kind of what we've been doing in a lot of different places and spaces. All the way back to December, and we were in that Advent series, and we were looking at that crazy guy, John the Baptist and that, that birth story of that guy named Jesus and all that stuff, if you were to go back and look at the bulletins that I'm sure you keep um, from those time periods, what you would realize is that most of those scriptures that we preached out of during those times were from the Gospel of Luke. And quite frankly, we're going to spend quite a bit of time over this coming year in the Gospel of Luke. And the reason for that is, is, is that I think there are times that and sometimes we just need to sit in the Gospels, the stories of Je- what Jesus did, the stories of what Jesus taught, the stories of how Jesus related to his world, realizing that he is God with flesh on. And we sometimes just need to take some time, sometimes an extended period of time, to allow that, those stories, those teachings, to be the things that shape and form us for an extended period of time, realizing that if we spend time in the gospel specifically, and we spend time looking at what Jesus did, and we let that shape inform us, then it would logically mean that somewhere along the way we might look more like Christ at the end of that than we did going into that journey. That's the hope, at least. And so we're going to spend some time, a lot, good bit of time over the next year, in the gospel of Luke. And this journey through the gospel of Luke this morning brings us to a passage that um, is just a cool passage for us this morning. It's a cool passage no matter what, but it's really a cool passage when you realize that this is the Church of the Nazarene, because this passage is about a congregation full of Nazarenes listening to what Jesus has to say through Scripture and having an experience with Jesus in the process you don't believe me, do you? There's a, there's a passage of Scripture where Jesus is dealing with a bunch of Nazarenes in the congregation. And this morning, we're a bunch of Nazarenes sitting in a congregation, going to open up the words of Jesus, and hopefully we'll have an encounter with Jesus this morning as well as we do that. And so we're going to jump into the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can open those to Luke chapter 4. If you have your phone with you, you can scroll on the Bible app, not Facebook, to Luke chapter 4, not your friend named Luke and his fourth post, Um, or if you just want to sit back and listen to the words as I read them, that is great as well this morning. We're in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 14, and we're just going to read about seven verses or so here. I know that it's not the entire story. Believe me, we're going to get to the other half of this story next week. We're going to finish it up. but We're just kind to sit in the first half of this story this morning. Starting in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, the people from Nazareth are called Nazarenes, that's where we get this whole, you know, thing, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it he found the place where it is written: The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight. For the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This going to be the word of the Lord for us this morning. This, as I said, isn't the end of the story of Jesus' preaching in Nazareth. Actually, if you know a little bit of this, it gets, the story gets kind of crazy, actually, next week. We're going to look at this, and it gets weird. It gets crazy. They almost push Jesus off a cliff. It's just things go downhill very quickly in this situation. But but I want us the morning, this morning to, to not be so worried about the stuff that comes after. We have There's time to do that, but sometimes we get so caught up in the craziness of that Jesus is about to get thrown off a cliff, and then somehow he walks right through the people and I don't know how he does that. Like, no one lays a hand on him. Does he become invisible? I don't know. But we get caught up in all this, like, craziness that we we miss the fact of what Jesus actually says in the moment because we're so fixated on the crazy that happens later that we miss what Jesus preached right here at the beginning half of things, what he actually is saying to the people in this very short sermon that is not, is going to be immensely shorter than the one that you're going to listen to this morning. I apologize. Um... This Sunday, we're going to get the opportunity to reflect upon these words that Jesus spoke to that group of Nazarenes on that Sabbath day, gathering together. All in all, when this all starts, the story starts to unfold, it's a pretty normal day at synagogue. Synagogue. There probably was a little extra excitement. It seems like the word about Jesus maybe had spread a little bit about about what some things he had done throughout Galilee and some other places that he had been, but it's still pretty early on in his ministry, and and things are pretty normal on this Sabbath day. Nothing really is out of the ordinary at the beginning of this whole thing. Jesus stands during the reading of scripture, which was the customary thing. In fact, it was seen to be absolutely, uh, if you even like did this like stood and had a hand on like a stand or a chair to kind of prop yourself up that would be seen as disrespectful to the to the word of God you stood without holding on to anything and you stood and you you read the scriptures from the scroll that was given to you and Jesus does that it's it's very customary it's it's normal that's what they would have happened every single week at synagogue and then he sits while preaching which was normal for the day. In fact, the way that sermons were actually given during Jesus' day is that the preacher would sit and all the people would stay standing throughout the whole sermon. You guys want to try it? You guys want to do that this morning? You guys keep standing and I'll just sit down, and we can just you know sit there, and well, you guys will stand there, and uh, we'll just have fun for you know next little bit. Yeah, we just six minutes. six minutes. Yeah, there we go. All right, all right. So, all right. So, but that was normal. There's nothing out of the ordinary for this. And even the passage of scripture that Jesus chooses to to speak here was a commonly read scripture, especially during this point in, in Jewish history. Isaiah 61, that passage that, that Bonnie shared for us, was a well-known passage of scripture in Jesus' day because it was a hope-filled passage of scripture. And these were people who were living under Roman oppression. These were people who were living as prisoners in their own land, people who were very poor and oppressed by the people, that, that, by the Romans. And so when they read these words from the prophet Isaiah, it spoke of a hope-filled future that they were hoping was going to come true someday Someday out there, whenever out there would be. And so this was commonly read in the synagogues as a way to help the people retain hope in the midst of difficult times. And so even the scripture isn't weird at all. It's not like it's out of the ordinary to hear Isaiah 61 on a Sabbath day in synagogue. In fact, they probably had heard many, many, many rabbis preach a message on this particular passage of scripture and they probably knew the big major talking points that, the, that Jesus was probably going to say. They were like, "Ah, we've heard this one before, Jesus. We get it, all right? We understand. We get this passage of scripture. We've, we've heard this said over and over and over again. But then all of a sudden, this ordinary Sabbath day at synagogue turns into an amazingly noteworthy day as Jesus shares this guiding statement of what his ministry is all about. The words that he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, takes this day at synagogue, and instead of it being an ordinary Sabbath day, like any other Sabbath day, turns it into an extraordinary moment worth writing down in the Gospel of Luke and sharing with us 2,000 years later, worth our time of engaging with this scripture. Jesus is saying that he has fulfilled this particular passage of scripture, that it is coming to pass in him, that this hope-filled passage of scripture, this this passage of scripture that, that these people were longing to see fulfilled, were longing to see come true, Jesus now has the audacity to stand before a group of people and say, that's actually coming to fruition now. That's actually happening now, and it's happening through me, In saying that he has fulfilled this, it's really a sad thing that, that I shared this last night with our coffeehouse group, that, that, that we really don't get the full picture of what Jesus actually says here because the English language is awful. Um, and, and the Greek language and many other languages, even Spanish, Andrea shared, was like so much more insightful than, than the English language. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a verb tense called the subjunctive te- te- tense tense. That's right. I got that right. Thank you. Uh, Andrea was helping me last night. The subjunctive (laughs) tense that is in almost every single language besides the one that we happen to speak on a day-in, day-out basis. We don't have this tense. We don't know what to do with it in the English language. But the idea this the subjunctive tense is this idea that something happens... And then it continues to happen and unfold ongoing in an ongoing and continual nature throughout history to the end of time. It is continually happening. It is happening and continually happening as we go forward. Spanish has this tense. Greek has this tense. All these other languages have this tense. English doesn't. We, have, we put slap an ed on the end of a word and call it past tense. But the problem is that what Jesus says here is not that... This is fulfilled at one point back in history when he stood before a group of people. What he's saying is that this is fulfilled this day and is continuing to be fulfilled ongoing into the future without end. The fulfillment of this is not some point back then necessarily, but it's a point back then that continues forward into our present and our future. Okay, I know that was nerdy, but guys, that's cool, all right? That's a cool thing, all right? That's a big change for us, because instead of us sitting, being able to sit there and go, cool, Jesus, thanks for doing that, pat him on the back and say, awesome, that's great. We go, that's awesome, Jesus, and thank you, because now we become partners, in the continuing unfolding of this fulfillment of the scripture that Jesus has just talked about from Isaiah 61, which he says is fulfilled and is continuing to be fulfilled through him for all time. Folks, what he's saying in effect is that this is exactly what his ministry looks like then and will continue to look like going forward into the future. That this is what Jesus is all about. And as we have the benefit now of hindsight, of looking back through the Gospels and seeing all the stories of what Jesus actually does throughout his, throughout his, his life and his ministry, we start to realize that, that this is, paints a really good picture of Jesus' ministry over those three years. He constantly is proclaiming good news, especially to the poor, which was basically everyone in, in Nazareth and Galilee and in Jerusalem. He, he is constantly proclaiming, giving and restoring sight to the blind, both physically and those that can't see what God is up to in the world. He is constantly helping to set the oppressed free and to bring freedom for prisoners. This is what Jesus is up to over and over and over again. He is constantly about the work of proclaiming good news to the poor, of proclaiming freedom for prisoners, proclaiming recovery of sight for the blind, proclaiming that he is setting the oppressed free, and that the year of the Lord's favor, the year of the Lord's favor, the reign of Jesus Christ as Lord over all things is being fulfilled in these people's presence. And what I love that Luke makes explicit in this passage is that all of those things above are done in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. The passage from Isaiah starts with the statement that the Spirit of the Lord has descended upon me and he's anointed me to do these things out into the world. Jesus is basically saying to the people in Nazareth, the people he grew up with and who knew him since he was a boy, and, and these, these people that, 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 that he gets their lifestyle all the way through, he is saying that if you want to know what I'm all about, this is what I'm all about. This is the stuff that I that is at the core of who I am and what I am all about in our world. And so as we start to make our way through Luke's gospel, you're going to start to see a pattern take place. Doug's going to preach a couple passages in Luke this year. I'll preach a bunch of passages in Luke. And what you'll probably start to notice is that we're going to to uncover the preacher's trick here for them, is that that there's going to be a pattern that starts to unfold when you deal with the Gospels. And that pattern is, is that we're going to look at something Jesus says, something Jesus does, something Jesus proclaims, something Jesus is about. And then the pattern is, is that eventually during the sermon, you get to the point that More often than not, as we're brought face-to-face with something Jesus does, says, teaches, or proclaims, we then are brought to the point of, oh yeah, that's something that we're supposed to do, teach, say, proclaim, engage with, because as followers of Christ, we follow Christ. That's the most profound thing you're gonna hear all day right there. (laughs) As followers of Christ, we follow Christ. And so what he does, we are called to walk in his footsteps and do as well. What he proclaims, we are called to proclaim to our world as well. The way he teaches, those are the things we take to heart, and we live out, and then we teach as well to others. And so if Jesus is all about the proclaiming of good news to the poor, the proclaiming of freedom for prisoners, the proclaiming of recovery of sight for the blind, the setting of the oppressed free, the proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor, all done in the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit, then his followers, who we like to call the church, are to be about the exact same things in our world today. The mission of the church, Jesus' body, his hands and his feet, the followers of Jesus Christ gathered together, is to continue to be led by the Spirit in order to declare this proclamation that there is good news for the poor, there is freedom for the prisoners, there is recovery of sight available to the blind, there is the setting free of the oppressed available, and that the reign of Jesus Christ is happening as Lord over all, even if we can't quite see it fully and completely just when we turn on the news, but it is happening Even in our midst. And not only is this the call for the church at large, but then it's also supposed to be what each and every follower of Christ, you and me, seeks to be about the continued fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 4, that can happen if found in Jesus Christ. Here's the trick. The trick is for us to be able to discern and understand who the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed are in our world. To have eyes to see the poor, the prisoner, the blind, and the oppressed. For sure, there are literal poor people in our world that need help. There are literal prisoners that need ministry. Zach is self-identifying with the poor over here. Um, There are literal oppressed people that need help. And there are literal blind people that need help. I think there's a very faithful way, a very, very faithful way, don't miss this, of reading the scripture that calls us to literal ministry to these literal people groups that are here. But in addition to that list, we might also realize that there are prisoners blind and oppressed in other ways. There are people who are prisoners to addictions of various different types. They're prisoners still, even if there's not bars that they stand behind, they're still oppressed. There are people who are held in bondage to destructive habits all around us. And by that, I mean even some of us here probably. There are people who are blind. They've tried to see, but they just can't see the ways that God has been at work in their life, in our world. They've become blind to seeing those things. There are people who've been oppressed by the constant cry of our culture to consume more, buy more, or get new, or whatever else messages that our culture is constantly telling us. There are people that are constantly oppressed because they've taken that on and they said, that's what I'm going to live into. And they've realized the weight of what that actually brings in their lives. I know that in a gathering of this size that there are people here this morning. There are people at your workplaces. There are people in your schools. There are people that live next door. There are people who live in your community who are the poor, the prisoner, the blind, and the oppressed in one way, shape, or another. But folks, hear me this morning. The good news of the gospel this morning for us is that it's proclaimed throughout Scripture, but specifically in this passage of Scripture, is that Jesus is Lord over all things, and in him, the truth is, is that there is good news for the poor person. There is freedom for the prisoner. There is the recovery of sight available to the blind. And there is a situation where the oppressed can be set free. And it's all found in the name of Jesus Christ. I was hoping I would get an amen at that point. I was preparing this and I was like, "That's that's a really good spot for an amen actually right there. But And so this morning, I think this passage calls us all to a sign of seeking after the Lord in prayer. As I read this this passage over and over again, I think that's where it takes me to every single time. Maybe it takes you somewhere else, but I'm the one up here with a microphone. So it takes me to a place where we have to seek after the Lord with prayer. For some of us, we this morning don't feel like we are the prisoner. We're not really don't, we don't identify as the blind person or the poor person or the oppressed person right now. Like There's not those things going on. Maybe, maybe we've been that in the past and we have experienced the freedom that is found in Jesus this morning. And I think for those of us that are in that place, this passage calls us to seek after that leading of the Spirit, that Spirit that guided Jesus in these moments, that Spirit that guided the early church throughout the book of Acts and has guided the church throughout every period of history to be able to identify those people in our world, in our midst, people we already know and have relationship with, conversation with, who are the poor and the prisoner, the blind and the oppressed in our world, that we might actually see them and understand who they are. And then I think the call is that as we ask for the Spirit's leading to identify those people, the call then is to then seek after that courage, which is found in the Spirit as well, to minister to those places and to those people. Quite frankly, as I've prayed for that over this week, I get this deer in the headlights look because I start realizing it seems really overwhelming very quickly. And so, thankfully, I was in a pastor's meeting this past week, and there's a children's pastor of another church that's down the road. Who is sharing just something that she challenges her children's leaders with? And the statement that she said is that she challenges her leaders to do for one what you wish you could do for many. That gets a little less overwhelming all of a sudden. Do for one what you wish you could do for many. And so this morning, if you find yourself in that group, would you be so bold this morning to seek after the Spirit's leading and the courage to maybe do for one and how you might be able to do for one what you wish you could do for many this morning? I think that would create a really different world if we just all did for one what we wish we could do for many. For others of us this morning, I think we maybe have come and realized at some point in time that we might be that poor person this morning. We might be that oppressed person. We might be the prisoner this morning. We might be the blind person this morning. We've become prisoner to something, blind to the way God God is at work in our world, oppressed by something that, that, that is going on in our world or in our lives. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus for you this morning. Whoever you are, there is good news for you. There is freedom for you. There's a new beginning. Yeah, I chose that word intentionally for you. And it all starts with seeking after Jesus, who is the one who is Lord over all. And in him, the fulfillment of these scriptures takes place. And so would you be so bold this morning as to cry out in prayer to Jesus, asking him to bring that freedom, that new start, that new beginning into your life to seek after the one who actually can fulfill the longings and the hopes of that passage. And so this morning, we're gonna do something different because I'm your pastor, and that's usually the way it goes around here, right, Diane? It always is something different. Um, And so I'm gonna ask their band to start to quietly make their way up to the front, and they're gonna get themselves situated. But before we sing a last song, we're gonna create space for us to seek after the Lord here before you go to lunch, before you forget 95% of what got spoken here this morning, before all that stuff happens, we're going to create a space for prayer this morning. Just a couple minutes where I'm going to ask Steve to play just something light on the piano to kind of help just fill in some of the silence. And a space where as he does that for a few minutes, you might be able to, we might be able to seek after the Lord seek after the Spirit's leading, seek after Jesus who can bring that freedom. And after a few minutes, I'll close that time in prayer for then we'll gather in this last song, which really is a prayer as well of Jesus to do this particular thing. And so let's spend some time in prayer this morning together. Thank you. we come to you this morning and we ask for your help. We ask for your help as a community of believers gathered here. We ask for your help as individuals, Lord. Lord, we ask that you, would, you and your spirit would, 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 would give us eyes to understand what you're up to. Would help us be able to see the ways that you're at work in our world, Would you help us to see the blind, the oppressed, the prisoner, the poor among us? Or would you help us, Lord, to be able to understand how we might be able to help, how we might be able to be about the continued fulfillment of Isaiah 61 that is found in you, Lord? Father, it's humbling to realize that you, you want to partner with us. You want us to be a part of that story, that unfolding fulfillment of that, Lord. And So Father, we confess the moments that we, we fail and we don't do it well. And we ask that you would help us to, to minister better in those places and spaces to those individuals as we go forward. Father, we seek after you, Lord, Jesus as the one who does bring freedom. And for those this morning that have come realizing that they're the one with the destructive habit, they're the one that has been blind to what you are up to, even if they spent their entire life in a church, Lord, that they've realized that maybe I need this freedom, this new start, this new beginning found in you, Lord. Father, we pray that you, you would bring that into their life. Help them to know that the freedom can be found in you. Lord, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for the way that you have fulfilled this. We've seen you fulfill this over and over again. Father, would you continue to bring that fulfillment as we go forward and we move into the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name, we pray all this. Amen.